Welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host. I am super pumped that you are listening. On this episode of Water with Lemon, I'm chatting with Liz Heidelberg. Liz is one of my good friends from college. I always have so much fun and laugh so hard anytime I'm around her. On this episode, we talk about what it looks like to manage our emotions. Because Lord knows us ladies have a few emotions, and it's sometimes really hard to manage them in a healthy way. Liz and I talk about how a lot of times we either suppress our emotions, or we're a little too expressive of them. This is such a fun episode to record, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Stay fresh, my people. Hey, Liz. Hey, Emma Cook. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to be on it. Yeah, girl. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what life looks like for you these days? So, a lot of disciplines and learn a lot about following God and honestly just fell even more in love with Jesus this past year than I've ever been before. So, Mm, it's been really fun. Yeah, but I, I just graduated from that last week, actually. Yeah. So why don't you tell us, you know, kind of maybe an overview of what God taught you? I know he probably taught you a million zillion different things, but is there like one thing that really stands out on what he taught you? Oh, gosh, so many things. Um, You can pick a couple if you want, but yeah, yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I learned was in our culture, in American culture, it's so easy to after a long day just instantly gratify ourselves with anything that we feel like can fill um, our emotional needs and so a lot of times I will fill that with friends or I'll fill it with food or I'll fill it with coffee or whatever shopping whatever and just realizing oh my goodness nothing in this world satisfies like Jesus and I've been doing this thing where I've been trying to fill this emotional need and this emotional um void I guess after a a long hard day of work or after just whatever negative emotion that I'm feeling I would try to like fill it with things and try to instantly gratify it and so just realizing that it's only Jesus that satisfies me nothing else can actually get to the root of it and fully satisfy my every need and every desire. And I always need more of him and I always want more of him. And I'm always going to crave like more of the love of God. So Mm. that was like one of the main things that I learned was, oh my goodness, my whole life I've been trying to fill, um, I guess, emotional hardships with things instead of always just turning to Jesus first. So that was the main thing was learning how to turn to Jesus to tangibly turn to Jesus first. Yeah. I remember you telling me about the fast that you did with Enyaq. Oh my gosh, that sounded like craziness. Is that kind of when you started to really like see that? So with this program, we would fast every single week. And so that's when it first started was the first week of fasting. Got it. Which I had fasted in my life before but never regularly like this. And so that's when I first realized I am so quick to turn to my comfort instead of turning to Jesus first. But yeah, with fasting probably was the first time that I realized how much I'd relied on food and other things for comfort to bring me comfort. Food was the number one thing that you realized dependency on? I would say 
maybe not food necessarily, maybe caffeine Mm. and sweets. Like, I have to have coffee every single day. No, you don't. (laughs) You really don't. Mm -hmm. Or I just had a really hard day at work. I need ice cream. Like, I need to go buy Halo Top right now. No, you don't. (laughs) You might. Well, yeah, and I'm not saying that it's bad. It is not bad to have ice cream. It's not. But I just realized, oh, I do this way too often where I turn to something else. I've had a really long day. I need to go to Target Mm. and buy everything. Guilty. Fill in the blank, whatever it is for you, you know? Right. So what did that look like for you then whenever you realized, okay, I realized – that when I'm emotional, when I've had a hard day, I'm satisfying myself with these other things. So what did it like tangibly look like for you to instead turn to Jesus? Like, so, cause it's easy to say like, well, instead of depending on those things, depend on Jesus. But like, what does that actually look like? Yeah. So I guess I kind of developed an awareness of when I was emotionally eating or doing whatever I was doing. And I just like, wouldn't let myself do it. And instead, you know, when you're fasting, the reason that you're not eating is because you're filling it with time with God instead. And you're eating the word. You're literally eating the word of God. Like that's Mm -hmm. your bread. That's your sustenance. And so instead of I'm going to go to target right now, I'm actually going to worship and I'm just going to have a worship party. And I mean, I'm lucky that I live with a group of girls who are on fire for God. And there was countless nights. There still is countless nights where we just blast worship music and spend time in the presence of God instead of doing whatever it was, Mm -hmm. you know. So and for some girls, it's like texting or contacting an ex-boyfriend or just going back to that comfortable place, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I think I just learned a lot about my emotions this year. Yeah, so So that's kind of what I want to talk with you today about is just how to kind of be emotionally healthy. So you kind of gave a really good, whenever you're talking about this, you gave a really good analogy of what it's like to be either driven by your emotions or suppress those. And I know that was, you know, something from another person like a, it's an illustration from somebody else, but you, could you kind of share that with us and um, kind of lead us into talking about how to be emotionally healthy? Yeah. So there's this quote by Abby Strumval. She's awesome. She speaks at Bethel, which is just this awesome church in California. And she says, emotions are like babies. You can't shove them in the trunk, but you also can't let them drive your car. And I remember hearing this, it was at the beginning of last semester and just being wrecked by it. Like, wow, yep, (laughs) that is so true. She's right. I can't do that. So how do I not allow that to happen? Because I'm a feeler, hardcore. I have always been a person who wears my emotions on my sleeve, like you are going to know exactly how I feel. You know that about me. Like you are going to know the exact thing that I'm feeling in the exact moment. I can't hide it. I can't hide it from my face. I just can't. (laughs) I just wear them on my sleeve. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that's me. Like a lot of times I allow my emotions to control me and to steer my car. How do I not do that? 
And so I feel like I've just been on this journey with Jesus this past nine months of the, the discipleship school year and learning how to not allow my emotions to drive me and to compel me and to ultimately run our lives. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So let's talk about the, maybe the gal that is like you. That's like, Hey, uh huh. I totally am driven by my emotions. They drive the car. I show them all the time. Um, how can we kind of bring that tendency into the presence of Jesus and let him transform that? Right. So, Ultimately, it comes down to relinquishing control, and you have to step out of the driver's seat and get into the passenger seat and be like, Jesus, you have to drive the car. You have to be the one that's in control at all times. And our emotions are good. They're not a bad thing. Um, But when we allow them to run our lives, then it's not healthy at all. And so honestly, just inviting Jesus into every single emotion and every single circumstance, because... We see it all the time in the Bible. Jesus is an emotional person. He feels every single emotion. Mm. He does not suppress them. And so they're healthy to have and they're good to have. But we also have a spirit of self-control. And so we can not allow our emotions to run our lives. Mm, That's good. So I like that you brought up the fact that, yeah, Jesus obviously had all of the feelings that we feel, right? He was there. That's why we can relate to him most because he was fully God and fully man. So let's talk about maybe, I think, you know, you and I are both the kind of one that's like, I'm going to show it to you, but I can also be both. It depends on the situation, but a lot of times I'm showing it. Other times I'm like, it's this, the enemy telling me, no, we're just going to shut this down and not tell anybody about that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, but maybe talk about why it's unhealthy to suppress our feelings. Right. So like I said, Jesus <laughs> felt every single emotion and ultimately God created our emotions. So we're supposed to have them, right? Mm-hmm. They are necessary. They're there for a reason. So completely shutting them off and throwing them in the trunk and locking the trunk is not okay either. It's not okay to completely suppress them. There has to be this balance. And so I'm just reminded of the story of when Lazarus dies in the Bible. And Lazarus was one of Jesus's very best friends. And Mary and Martha, Lazarus's sisters, um, come before Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, Lazarus just died. And he wouldn't have died if you were here. And so Jesus goes to him and he finds Lazarus dead. And he knows fully well that he has the capability. Like he's the son of God. He knows he can raise Lazarus from the dead. And yet we see shortest verse in history, Jesus wept. Mm. And Jesus still justifies every single human emotion. He sits there and he weeps over his friend, even though he knows he's going to raise him from the dead in like (laughs) one minute, you know? And I'm like, that is so important. That's why that's in the Bible, you know? Because God wants us to realize Jesus is a person with emotions. He does not suppress them. He doesn't hide them. He feels every single one of them. Even though he's also fully God and knows that he can raise this man from the dead, he still cries and feels the hurt of, I just lost my friend. My friend just died. Mm -hmm. And so we know that emotions are important and we're allowed to feel them and Jesus totally like justifies every single human emotion. Jesus, what a guy. I love him so much, man. So a lot of times our emotions can come from a place of unmet expectations, right? 
This is, yeah. man, this is a good one. I actually, the episode that's releasing um, this week is on friendship, and we talked a lot about expectations and friendships. And so, mm. and I think these kind of go hand in hand, too, of like, okay, you know, if something happens where our expectations aren't met, that sends us into this spiral of emotions and whether we're showing that out for everyone to see or we're suppressing it, it's happening, right? So can you give us maybe an example uh, from your life whenever your expectations weren't met and what emotions came over you? (laughs) Every day of my life, (laughs) I feel like. Honestly, because we're not in control ultimately. So things be happening left and right. And I'm like, (laughs) swerve. I did not expect that, God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that one of the biggest things that has happened in my life uh, was so I mentioned earlier how I've been to three universities. So I did not start out at Texas A&M. I actually started out at Abilene Christian University my freshman year. And through a series of events, God basically closed every single door and made it very evident that I did not need to be there. Mm. And I was like, no, this is not what I was expecting. I am going to be a wildcat all four years of college. (laughs) What's happening, you know? And so here's me banging on every door like, God, please open it back up. Please open it back up. Let me in. Let me in. I want to go here. I like it here. I want to be here. And he said no. And so I transferred back home, lived at home. Moving back home after you have graduated high school and already been away at college is really hard. Mm. So I moved back home, which was not my expectation at all. And I mean, it was great. I have a fantastic family, so it was awesome, but it was still hard. And I went to community college, which is completely different than going to a university. And it was just hard and it was not what I expected at all. And then I applied to Texas A&M University, got accepted, transferred here, and God completely wrecked my life. And I'm mm. so I'm like, God knew. God knew from the beginning that I needed to be here. And because of free will, he allowed me to pick what university that I wanted to go to. But then he also like stepped in and took control when he realized that it wasn't like fruitful for me. And it wasn't I wasn't really going anywhere. And literally being at AM has been the best experience of my life. I mean, I found God even more here. I found community here. I found life here. And I'm, I'm cultivating a massive youth revival here. Like I, I get to be a part of that. Oh, I meant to mention this earlier, but I'm a youth leader at my church. <laughs> well, slide plug. But yeah, so I'm a youth leader at Antioch and I am helping cultivate a massive youth revival here. And in January, this January, I felt like God asked me to stay in College Station indefinitely and live here and help bring this, basically bring his kingdom on earth with the youth in Bryan College Station and just see Mm. this massive youth movement here. And so none of that would have happened if I would have stayed at ACU. And that was my expectation. I'm going to go there all four years. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to be a wildcat forever. And I'm (laughs) probably going to move back to Dallas and... I'm a communication and journalism major, so I'm probably going to move back to Dallas and work for a magazine in Dallas. But now here I am in College Station, Texas, living here, 
And I never expected this ever. And was it hard? Oh my gosh, it was so hard. It was so hard. My sophomore year in the wilderness, you know, living at home and going to community college. Honestly, living at home, going to community college, yet having no community and thinking, God, why did you do this? I was having fun at ACU. I have friends at ACU. I had a life at ACU. I don't see what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing at Mm. all. Because this feels very unfruitful, being surrounded by no community here. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And so just completely took my expectations and wrecked them in the best way possible. And I feel like I'm experiencing the fullness of life because he took control and just ultimately wrecked my expectations. So mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. Yeah, because he totally comes in, flips our plans upside down, right? And you and I kind of talked a little bit about when we graduate college, that's a scary time, right? Because yeah. you're like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Who am I going to work for? Where's God going to take me? Am I supposed to go move across the world and do missions? Am I supposed to just stay here at school? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um And so that's a whole other topic of, like, being able to, like, fully trust the Lord with your plans. But um, there is a lot of times some expectations that maybe we don't realize that God is going to come through in a certain way. And he totally comes in and changes that, right? So um, in that time when we are just totally thrown off, when we're like, Lord, what are you doing? I did not think that this was your plan. I'm so confused. And all the emotions are hitting hard. What can we do in that time? How can we like truly turn to the Lord whenever our emotions are super overwhelming? Well, he's the one that's doing it. You know, he's the one that's in control and, and flipping our expectations upside down. So we have to be upfront with him, first of all. I mean, he already knows everything that you're mm-hmm. feeling. So yeah. it's not like you can even hide your emotions from him. He already knows exactly how you feel. Mm-hmm. So be real with him. Tell him exactly what you're feeling. But also trust him. I'll be like, God, I don't understand anything. Not a single thing that you're doing in my life right now. But I know that scripture tells me that you work all things together for good for those that love God. Mm-hmm. Which is me. I love God. So I trust you. <laughs> You know, I don't understand you. I mean, who can comprehend the mind of God? I don't understand you. I don't understand what you're doing. It makes absolutely no sense. But I trust you because Mm -hmm. you've always, always kept your promises to me. You've always been faithful. I can see it all throughout my life. You've never not come through. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't I trust you? And you're in control, not me. So do with my life whatever you want because I know that it's the best for me in the long run. So basically just coming to this place of realizing I can be real with God. I can let him know what my emotions are. God, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling disappointed that this didn't happen like I thought it would. He completely understands that. So acknowledging your emotions, but also trusting him and saying, okay, I don't understand. And I'm disappointed. I I don't understand anything that you're doing, but I trust you. And something that's helpful for me too is looking back through old journals or reading through scripture about God's promises and like seeing how he's come through because he always comes through. Mm -hmm. So seeing that countless times in the Bible and seeing that countless times in my own life and realizing, Oh wait, you ultimately do know what's best for me. And 
I trust you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I was thinking of, I hope I get this right, but the scripture in Psalm 139 when it says, you search me and know me, you, and I, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, right? He already knows our hearts completely, right? He knows everything that we're thinking, everything we're, that we are feeling more than we do. Like, yeah. way more than we do. Yeah. There's so many times, like, even in a, you know, a time period, even part of my life right now, where I constantly saying, Lord, I'm not even sure what I'm feeling. Like, I don't know what this is, but you do. Help me in that. Please, you know, turn my thoughts towards you and help me see what exactly is going on here? Because sometimes it's really hard to even understand what our emotions are, to, like, yeah. put a name on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So many times I'm in that place of, like, I'm not even sure what to call this that I'm feeling. But it's so comforting to know that he does. He completely understands and loves us in that. Yeah. Um, are there any specific scriptures that you typically turn to when you're overwhelmed by emotion? Yeah, there's ah, there's so many good ones. Um, probably the main ones uh, are so. Second Timothy one seven says, "For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control." So realizing like everything is okay in moderation, and it's okay to have my emotions, but in moderation, I don't want to let them drive my car and I don't want to suppress them and throw them in the trunk. But God tells me right here that I have a spirit of self-control. And, you know, another one is for the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Whether you think that you have it or not, you have the spirit of self-control inside Mm -hmm. of you. So recognizing that, declaring that over myself. Um, Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man holds back. And there's so many verses in Proverbs that talk about wisdom and holding back your tongue. Uh, And then also in Ecclesiastes, where it talks about there's a time for everything. There's a time to weep, but there's also a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, but there's also a time to dance. Mm. So realizing that God gave them to us, they're good to have. And I can manage it because I have a spirit of self-control. And there's also a time where I can exemplify every emotion. Like, there's a time for that. God tells me that in scripture. There's a time for me to weep and laugh and mourn and dance. So mm-hmm. those are just a few. I mean, the Bible is full of great nuggets. Retweet. Yeah. Yeah, Love those that. are really good. And obviously the ones, um, you know, obviously Jesus is the perfect example of that. And we've already given a couple of really good examples, or you've given a couple of good examples about the fact that he displayed every emotion. And so that's something I think that's hard for a lot of Christians or even non-believers to understand just the person of Jesus in that he, he had every single emotion that we feel. And it's hard to relate him to that because of, for whatever reason, whatever view they have of Jesus. And so... Um, I like that we gave those examples. It's like, go go read John, go read Matthew, go read one of the Gospels and see that Jesus yeah. had every emotion, he had every temptation, like all of those things he had. And so that's why he's able to have a relationship with us. 
So let's give us some examples of some scriptures you turn to whenever you're um, disappointed in unmet expectations. So the first one, this is super cliche, but it's so good. Uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where he says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for your good. Um, I love that one because it just puts into perspective the actual character of God and who he actually is. Oh, his plans for me are good. They're actually not to harm me. Mm -hmm. So even though what's happening right now is really disappointing, it's ultimately for my good. Um, Another one that I've been really clinging to this past year is Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, where he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My plans are not your plans because they're better. They mm-hmm. are. And I mentioned this one previously, but Romans eight twenty eight, where he says that he works all things together for good for those that love God. And so, yeah, I know those are kind of cliche, but how am I going to believe the whole Bible's true, but rarely believe that what God's doing is the absolute best for me? Mm. Because I think that I want the best for myself, but ultimately he wants even better than that for me. So whenever I don't understand what's going on, it's perfectly fine for me to be sad or disappointed. But I don't stay in that place. Yeah. You know, like you be real with God. You tell him you're sad. You tell him you're confused. You don't know what you're feeling. And then declare truth over yourself that my dad knows what's best for me. And what he's doing is going to blow me away. He tells me that in scripture right there. He said he works all things together for my good. He said my thoughts aren't his thoughts. They're better. He says that. So Mm -hmm. just declaring scripture over yourself is really powerful and realizing that he wants even better for us than what we want for ourselves, which is crazy because Mm -hmm. we're all super selfish and want the best for ourselves. So he wants even better than that. It's unreal, you know? Mm. I know. I know. (laughs) You're, You're also right in the fact that, like, we are so selfish, and so I think that's a lot of times why our expectations are not met because we have our own idea of how everything should go and we're not seeing the picture, the grand picture of what God's doing. I have the privilege of getting to sit under Matt Chandler's teaching and he's he made this analogy this week and I don't think it was his either. So I'm quoting Matt, but I also don't think it was his analogy. But just talking about how our faces are pressed up against a stained glass window. And, like, we're only seeing a part of it. We're seeing, like, oh, I've got the red piece, you know? Like, what the heck is this, God? Like, I'm so confused. It's blurry. I don't know what you're doing. I'm just going to keep pressing my face against this glass window, but I have no idea what you're doing. And the reality is when we get to eternity and we see all that God has done in our life and how he's been faithful, we see this beautiful picture of what he, what he did in our lives. And just the fact that we were faithful in the moments when our face was pressed up and we had no idea what was, what was going on and what was, what he was doing, it will be worth it for the day that we stand before Jesus and look at the grand picture of that giant stained glass window and just see all that, all that he was doing and how it all fit together. Wow. That's good. Right? Sure. I know. That kind of wrecked me a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but are there any resources you could put on our hands around this topic? Can you think of anything? Yeah. So the Bible is really, this Ooh. really good book. I don't know if you've heard of it. Pick it up but... at your local Lifeway. 
<laughs> Mardell. Um, yeah, the Bible is so good. It has so much about emotions, whether you've realized that or not. Also, the quote that I took from Abby Strongball was actually from a teaching that she did called How to Manage Our Emotions. So really good. It's I'm pretty sure it's on the podcast app. Yeah, we'll just link it, girl. You don't worry. Great. Or YouTube. Another one is Engaging Hope in Seasons of Disappointment by Melissa Helser. Love mm. my girl, Melissa Helser. So good. And on the side of songs, I don't know why I saw it. sounded weird when I said <laughs> The side of songs. The side of songs. Take In the song out. category. All of that out. Deleted. <laughs> Definitely not deleting that. In the song category. Oh, man. A song that I've been listening to a lot this past nine months is called Heroes by Amanda Cook. It's kind of older. I think we it's could be heroes. Yes. How did you know? Wait, actually? No. <laughs> No, Emma. No, there's a line in this song where she says, "You've taught my feet to dance upon disappointment," mm-hmm. and I've really clung to that a lot because it's so true. Jesus teaches us how to like put on a dress and heels and just like, dance. Ha, screw you, disappointment. Yeah, disappointment. You thought you could run my life? No, you can't. Actually, I'm gonna learn how to dance on this. So. Yeah. I really just wanted to say twerk on it, but I don't know if that's appropriate. (laughs) You taught my feet to twerk upon disappointment (laughs) and I I will worship. Wait, I've heard this song. Yeah. Minus the twerk. Yeah, it's older. I think it's, I mean, not super old, but I think it's like 2014. So four years. Okay, lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Yeah, so this past year, I realized that I have a bunch of skills that I'm mediocre at, that I enjoy doing, but I'm just mediocre at, and I want to be good at things. I want to steward my skills well. And so I'm a really creative person, and I just had this revelation one day, like, when I come to the end of my life, I want to look back and see, like, things that I've accomplished or things that I've wanted to do and I want to actually do them and steward them. So like, I love volleyball. Why am I just mediocre at it? Why am I not like practicing or playing in intramurals or joining a league or something, you know? Anyways, so I had this revelation and I played piano when I was in elementary and middle school and I haven't played since then. And I was like, I'm going to take up lessons because I'm super passionate about worship and Um, I just thought it would be really fun to like start getting good at start practicing and getting good at piano because it's something that I want to do and be able to do for the rest of my life, you know? So I started taking piano lessons again and I'm loving it. That's so fun. It's super fun. It's so fun. So playing the piano, getting to look up like any worship song that I'm singing, like, Hmm, I wonder what the chords are and looking it up and just being able to like play and sing or just any song. Like I learned how to play a million dreams from Ooh. greatest showman. That was no, super can you play it for me right now? You want me to? I really can. 
I close my eyes and I can see a world that's waiting for me that I call my through the dark through the door through where no one's been before but it feels like They can say, they can say, it all sounds crazy. They can say, they can say, I've lost my mind. I don't care, I don't care, so call me crazy. We can live in a world that we design. Cause every night I lie in bed The brightest colors fill my head A million dreams are keeping me awake I think of what the world could be A vision of the one I see A million... Oh, sorry, my knees are tough. <laughs> A million dreams is all it's gonna take. Oh, a million dreams. What are we gonna make? What are we gonna make? Okay, so do you have any more refreshing things? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, another skill that I have is writing, you would hope because that's my major. Um, but I love writing. I'm super passionate about writing. I have a blog. It's mega amateur. But this past year, I was just so but busy. But it's so good. Thanks. This past year, I was so busy with the discipleship school, and I just realized I've given up so many of my skills, and I don't think that God would have wanted me to do that. He gave me the skills. I want to do them. Yeah. I'm going to start blogging again, but I haven't blogged in a hot minute. Um, I think my last one was in like January, but yes, blogging, just writing in general gives me life, gives me life. It's so refreshing. Pretty much anything creative, honestly. Yeah. Because you are so creative. Thanks. But yeah, so it's refreshing me these days. Also agree with you. I love coconut LaCroix. It's actually pronounced LaCroix. Did you know that? No, it's oh. not. French. Look it up. Who told you that? Uh, the French? CEO of La Crocs. <laughs> Crocs give me life these days. <laughs> no, not Crocs. La Crocs. Yeah. Crocs, Crocs, Crocs charms, though. Those are cool. Oh, my gosh. Good conversations with people over coffee, for sure. If you haven't tried Starbucks Nitro Brew... Go do it right now. They literally What brew, does that mean? They brew the coffee, like they infuse it with nitrogen. That's how it's made. So they have like nitrogen tanks. And it's like on top. And you just stick your cup. Is it like safe to drink nitrogen? Yes. The majority of the air is made up of nitrogen. Did you know that? That's like the number one. Yeah, I totally what did. Not chemical. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm not. Gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man.
It's been real fun. I love hanging out with you. Yeah, with you, Elika.